nice to be here and to be with all of you and uh, appreciate your willingness to get close and in this room together. Uh, some of you look like you're a little more comfortable than others. Uh, I have been known to throw things, so if needed in the back, you nod off, I can uh, help you stay awake. Um, but thank you for, for allowing me to be here. Thank you to Albany Baptist Church uh, for, for Mr. Capuano. It's been nice to be a chaperone here, uh, and I guess I was asking for it. If showing up so many years, eventually I was going to get asked. Uh, Pastor Drew and the pastors at Albany, thank you very much uh, for this uh, privilege to be here and to bring the word this weekend. Is close enough good enough? That's the, the title of the messages uh, that I'm going to be bringing to you uh, this weekend. Is close enough good enough? What do you think I mean by that saying? And I'm looking for you to actually volunteer an answer. This is not rhetorical. So what do you think I mean by this title, is close enough good enough? Yes, Kaden. I believe it means that if, like, is close enough to Christ, meaning you're interacting with the church, you're uh, mingling with fellow, um, well, maybe not fellow Christians, you're mingling with Christians, you know all the doctrine, you're, so in that sense, you're close to Christ. Is that good enough for salvation? Okay. That's the title. All right. Good. I was thinking of it in a more general sense. Is just halfway there. That's, that's most of it. I, would, I did the lesson, but I didn't really learn anything, but I still did it. So okay. Enough. Yeah. All right. Why? Well, I think it's about, like, um, do we really, you know, some of us may go to church on Sunday, some of us may not. And some of us may really live, like, the Christian lifestyle, and some of us might just do that on the outside. But what does that mean? Like, are we, have we really had the change of heart necessary? But I think the, also the ultimate thing is, is close enough good enough? I think it's almost paradoxical, because we can never be good enough. Mm. Interesting. All right, good. Anybody else? This has all been really good. The bats. Um, I kind of like think about experience. Um, for example, uh, I would say that the apostles, they're, they're seeking for experience um, rather than the relationship with Christ. So I um, kind of understand, okay, seeking that experience in Christ rather than a re relational experience, is it good enough for a person? Right, who really wants and says salvation. Very good. You guys are thinking down tracks that I didn't even think of. That's great. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, well, well thank you. That's, that's all really helpful. Uh, a number of things that were said, you'll find, fall right in line with, with where my mind was going when I came up with the title. Um, but I'm, I'm a little more... Uh, simple-minded, and the title, where this came from, really came from a saying that I think a baseball announcer or baseball manager came up with when he said, and you can finish it for me, close only counts, horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So, I think you guys get the picture, right? Uh, you play horseshoes, you don't have to have that horseshoe right around the, uh, the stake that you're throwing it at. It can be touching, right? It's close enough. Uh, hand grenades, well, I think you guys understand what that's about, right? Just lob it in the room. Didn't have to be right on target, it does the job. 
Uh, that saying was said, I, I believe it came out of a baseball context where somebody was talking about, oh, they almost did this and they almost got that and they almost did this. I think the manager was like, yeah, but close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, not in baseball. You actually have to score the runs. You actually have to make the stops. Uh, so that's kind of the background where it came uh, from what, as I was thinking and specifically then as you guys were taking it in your feedback here about where you think this is taking us in our study what does that mean when it comes to a Christian life? What about heaven? What about salvation? Could we say that close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and heaven? See, a lot of people make this tragic mistake that close enough is good enough. Close enough is good enough. They might say things like, well, as long as you're just sincere in what you believe, that's good enough. Anybody heard something like that before? Right? As long as you're sincere, as long as you really mean it, whatever it is, all roads lead to God. If you're sincere in that road, it'll take you there. It'll eventually get you to where you need to be. As long as you have some kind of religion. I hear that a lot at my workplace. Uh, people try to be very inclusive by saying, well, that religion, uh, Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or Taoism, whatever it is, those religions, see, as long as that person is really committed and really believes, then they're good. They're going to heaven. Or maybe it's, it's more just an issue of, of a morality statement. Um, I don't do those really bad things that those people over there do or that person does. So I'll be all right. I'll be okay. I'm, I'm close enough. I don't sin like that person sins. I mean, you see the problems that go on in their life. You see how it, it hurts their family, their parents. Well, I would never do that. Is that really what it means? Is that close enough? Or, as some of you were saying, you go to church. I go to church. Man, I'm at church whenever the doors are open. If they're having a meeting, I'm there. If there's a prayer service, I'm there. If there's a youth group meeting, I show up. And you know what? Other people don't. Is that close enough? Take it a step further. I was baptized. So that, that must mean I'm good enough. I'm baptized. I have this certificate. Some places, some churches will give you a certificate, your baptism. My name is on the church roll. I'm a church member. That's good. I'm in. I'm close enough. We have to be careful. We have to be very careful because close enough does not count when it comes to your never-dying soul. The state of your soul when you die and you go before God in judgment. Please hear me. Close enough will not count. It won't count for me. Two out of three ain't bad. No. It won't count for you. Close enough won't it's not good enough. 
And there's a lot, of, a lot of people, I mentioned at my job, we have all these inclusion seminars. Maybe you've heard about equity and inclusion. It's a big popular thing these days. Where the, the world, the media, our government is promulgating this lie. They're, they're declaring this to people to try to get it through their heads so they'll think that this is really the right way. Everything, everybody's good. Everybody's fine. Just don't hurt anybody else. You're all good. As long as, as, long as you don't break some societal norms, you're in, you're good. You don't have to be so careful and focused about what is right and what is wrong. All roads will lead to God. Everyone will get there in their time. But see, Jesus, thankfully, helps to set the record straight for us. That lie is common in our nation. It's common in our time. It's not new, though. It's not like, ooh, this is a 21st century America problem. No, this has been around a long time. It was there in Jesus' day. They thought close enough was good enough. When Jesus came on this earth and he started to preach and teach, and among the Jews there, the Israelites, they thought close enough is good enough. We have Abraham as our father. What's the big deal? We worship at the temple. We're the chosen people. We're in. Well, turn to Matthew 7. And we'll see where Jesus sets the record straight and debunks this myth. This, this chapter, this text in Matthew chapter 7 is going to be something of a springboard for us to work through this weekend. Will it be enough to just be sincere? Will it be enough just to not be as bad as others? Will it be enough because of religious works or heritage? Is that enough? Well, let's see what Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. We'll begin reading in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, Jesus said. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Let's just bow our heads real quick before we get into understanding this passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to consider this topic, as we come to your holy word, Father, we do indeed need you to help us. We need you, precious Jesus. Lord, come and help us in our consideration that we might understand what you are saying to us in your most holy word. We pray that you'd help me, that I would be accurate and clear, that I would not go off into my own opinion and own thoughts, and, uh, but Lord, that I would just be faithful to your word. And pray that I would be able to communicate these things well to these dear ones who are gathered. Bless the word as it is preached, and may it bear fruit in the lives of these dear ones. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So as we come to this passage, the Sermon on the Mount... Jesus is teaching his disciples about the characteristics of Christian life, the the characteristics of a true believer. Um, I think I know just maybe one, only one of you is in my New Testament class. So we just finished this uh, looking at the book of Matthew in our New Testament class. We focused on uh, the the, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters five to seven. And we noticed how this this is a, a great theme in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaching to disciples, okay? He was preaching to those who said they believed in God, who were following him. And he gives them an explanation, a picture, if you will, of what it means to be a Christian. And he starts there with the Beatitudes, which you're familiar with. And he goes on throughout that and says, this is a picture of what it means, what it looks like to be a believer. You say you're a believer? You say you follow me? Well, here are some vignettes, some some photos you could look at and say, wait, is that me? Do I look like that? In a sense, taking the mirror of his word and placing it before them. And as he, he comes to the end of that teaching is where we have our text that we just read. And you'll notice that he brings these several warnings, several warnings to believers, to the people that he's preaching to. And we're going to take a look at these warnings as we, as we begin. Warnings that try to help us understand why is it that we have to be so careful, so accurate, so precise regarding asking this question, am I in the kingdom of heaven? Am I a true believer? Or am I just going along with close enough is good enough? Okay, so the first warning we get here is in verses 13 to 14. And that first one is, watch out for the broad road. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, there's two gates connected to two paths, and they lead to two very different places. And the first gate is that that wide gate that has the broad way. And this is the gate that everyone enters by nature. It's easy to get in, and there's plenty of room. Going through this gate, 
And walking along this way won't cramp your style. It won't require anything of you to change. You can be you. You do you on this way, right? You can be authentic you on this way. You want to spend all your time gaming? It's all good. You want to be focused on your looks, beauty, wanting everybody to see you, to be an influencer, have an online social media presence so that people are like, That's all good. No shame in it. On this way, you can have it. You can have it. You like the attention and the praise of other people. There's a whole lane on the broad way for that. Don't worry about it. You're good. Maybe you don't need any of that. Maybe, maybe you, what your thing is, is if you just want to run your own life. Like parents, like stay out of it. Teachers, leave me alone. Pastors, stop preaching all the time. Let me do my thing. Just let me be me. This is, this is that road. This is that wide way, that easy way. But where does it lead? What's the destination? Jesus says it leads to destruction. That's to hell, to eternal damnation. But that's only for a few really bad people, right? I mean, Kim Jong-un, like Adolf Hitler, um... I don't know, Putin, he seems to be on that way, right? What does Jesus say in verse 13? It's shocking. Sometimes you read right over it. But he says, many. Many. Many are on that way. But there's another gate, way, and destination, and that's the narrow gate. And that way is difficult. This one is not appealing at all. When we think about what comes naturally to us, the, the, the you-do-you mindset, this way doesn't work with the you-do-you. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not compatible. It's difficult. It's constricted. If you had to choose based on looks, you wouldn't want to choose this way. It means your style will be cramped. But where does it lead? Where does this way lead? Well, the destination here is delight. The destination that Jesus is trying to draw our attention to is eternal life. And sadly, there are few who find it. Most look at this narrow gate, at this difficult, constricted way, say, no thank you. I see where I see this. It doesn't look good. This way is much easier. I won't be as bad as everyone else. I mean, I'm not going to do the, the really bad stuff, but I, I, I can't go down that way. That way's hard. That way means I got to be really careful. It's going to be constricted. My, my whole life will be changed if I go down that way. But Jesus says in this first warning, look out, look to the road. Where does it lead? Where will it lead you? The wide gate, the broad road to destruction, the narrow gate, the difficult way to eternal life. But then there's a second warning there in verses 15 to 20. Watch out for liars. 
Watch out for that, that wrong way, but watch out for liars. Beware of false prophets who came to you, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And this warning is all about people who lead others astray. And and Jesus calls them false prophets. In verse 15, he says that they come in sheep's clothing. What does that mean when somebody comes to you in sheep's clothing? It means they look harmless, right? At least that much. They, They look harmless. Oh, this is nothing I need to be scared of. He's not a bad boy, is he? Just making sure you're paying attention. Oh, uh, somebody comes in sheep's clothing. Oh, I don't got to worry about this. I can turn my back on this one. This is not a problem. He said, but false prophets, that's how they come. However, what's behind the clothing? They are ravenous wolves. You could also take it that they come in sheep's clothing as they look like they come to you and they try to look like they're a Christian. Jesus calls his people his sheep. Right? So not only do they try to come looking harmless, but they also try to look, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christ. It's all good. I'm with you, bro. I'm good. Right? They want to they come in. And they could even have notoriety. The world itself could be welcoming of them. Right? They could have an, uh, their own YouTube channel with millions of subscribers. Got to be legit. Look at that. It's on the internet. Could have their own ministry with their name, right? The Shazad Khan Ministries. These are how they come. And they, they, they come like sheep. Oh, don't worry. This isn't, this isn't going to be a problem for you. It won't hurt. It's all good. Beware, Jesus says. Beware. All the talent, all the things that can get our eyes on them and make us attracted to them. He says, watch out. Watch out for those who who can bedazzle you with all sorts of things that just appeal to the senses. Right? They come in sheep's clothing, but watch out. Understand. Beware of liars. Because inside they're ravenous wolves. And but how are we going to know, Pastor? Lord Jesus, how will we know that this sheep isn't really a sheep? How are we going to know that this guy is trying to destroy me? You will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Does their life match what the Bible says is holy and pleasing to God? These wicked wolves will be known by their wicked ways. Don't fall for the outward appearance. Got it? Don't fall for the outward appearance. Understand, look for the fruit. So that's the second warning. Watch out for liars. Third warning. Watch out for self-deception. Watch out for self-deception. Verses 21 to 23 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These are scary verses. Scary to consider what's actually happening. Jesus sending people to hell. That ought to grip us and that ought to to scare us, right? Rightly. When I read those, that's like, whew. To think that on Judgment Day, that there will be some. Now think about this with me. Think about on Judgment Day, there will be some who think they're going to heaven. They think they're in. But instead of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, they're going to be shocked. They're going to be dismayed. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Will it just be a few? A couple people that just fell for the, the wolf in sheep's clothing? What does it say? Verse 21, not everyone, but he goes on, verse 22, he says, many. 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 Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. In one way or another, many who identified themselves with him, with Jesus Christ, in that instant will have their lie exposed. Not few, but many. And that brings us to the fourth and final warning here. Careful what you build on. Careful what you build on. Verses 24 to 27. Therefore, Jesus says, therefore, because of these things, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. See, to avoid that tragedy of believing the lie and following the broad road and the false prophets and our own deceptive hearts, Jesus sets the record straight here. He says, if you hear what I say, if we hear the words of Christ and we do them, you will be safe. That is where safety is found. Anyone hearing and believing the words of Christ 
will have no disappointment on that judgment day. You will not be shattered on that last day. But if you do not listen, if you do not obey, if you do not follow my words, he says you're like that foolish man who built his house upon that sand. You notice that he says he did build a house. It looked good, right? From the outside, there's a house, just like the one who built on the rock. It's like having a profession of faith, maybe. Having an outward appearance. Looks good. It's up. Sun's shining. Everything's great. Hey, you're just like me, man. We're all good. But what happened when the test came? When the storm came? When trials came? Everything was exposed. And great was the fall of that house. Don't be foolish. Don't deceive yourself. Beware of self-deception. Listen to Jesus. He says, listen to me here in the Sermon on the Mount. I will lead you into the way of everlasting life. See, with these warnings, why I'm using this as my springboard text is because it calls to every one of us to say accuracy is critical. Accuracy is critical. Now, if we didn't have the words of Jesus, and I were here telling you, accuracy is critical, your life is at stake, your never-dying soul is at stake, then we would be left hopeless, wouldn't we? Well, then what do I do? I mean, you're just telling me all this bad news. But we have the words of Jesus. We have his holy word. And so when I tell you, based on Scripture, that accuracy matters, that close doesn't count when it comes to your never-dying soul. And when I call you to stop playing horseshoes and hand grenades with eternal life, I can tell you that there's a way. There is a way. There is a way of hope. There is a way of joy and of gladness that leads to eternal life. Yes, is the gate narrow? It is. I'm not lying to you. It's narrow. Jesus said it was narrow. I'm not going to try to pretend it's not. Is the way difficult? Constricted? Will there be trials? Yes, there will. Not playing. Not hiding anything. There's no front here. It is difficult. What's the next question, though? Does it lead to eternal life? Yes, yes, a resounding yes, it does. Life that is guaranteed. Joy unspeakable. Delight that only those in heaven understand, because it hasn't even entered into our minds yet what the Lord has in store for us. That way does lead to eternal life. But, but, the gate is narrow. The way is constricted. And it is critical for us 
What I want us to do in these next messages to understand what are those essential components for salvation. So that you can say, if you're a Christian and you look at these essentials and we get to the end of this week, you're going to say, praise God. I am one of his. Praise God. He has caused me to enter through that narrow gate. And I am on that narrow way. Yeah, not perfectly. Do I fall all the time, skin my knees as I'm on that narrow way? Yeah. Do I get distracted sometimes? Oh, look at that. Yeah. And I got to get called back in. But by God's grace, I'm there. And you can rejoice with full assurance. I am his and he is mine. And he will take me safely to heaven. I have no reason to be shocked on the day of judgment except shocked that Jesus loves me. No reason for disappointment. No reason for dismay. That's what I hope. For those of you who know Christ, that you would be so filled up with assurance and joy that you would leave here shouting and screaming, praise God, I'm one of his. Maybe I could use Second or First Peter two, get you to turn to a passage, help wake you up if you're starting to go dizzy on me. Accuracy is critical, and for you believers, it's important for you to understand this about yourself. First Peter chapter two verse ten. Peter writes, "Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent." You were diligent before. He's saying he'd be even more diligent. What? To do what? To make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a good thing to do. When we take some time to make our calling and our election sure, we go back to the scriptures and we look at it and say, is that really me? Peter's saying you're doing a good thing. And that's what we're doing here. But maybe there's some who are not in that camp here. I know that there are Christians here. So I know I'm preaching to you, but I know that there's also some here who are not yet Christians. And maybe you're someone here, you don't even want to be a Christian. I'm glad you're here. This, this series of messages is also for you. Maybe, maybe you, in that camp you don't want anything to do with Christianity. Well, I want to plead with you in these messages, and I plead with you now. Don't play games with your never-dying, precious soul. Don't play games. You think about eternity. And where you will spend eternity. And I beg you, do not play games. I want you to be safe in Jesus. I want you to know the blessing of sins forgiven and eternal life assured and guaranteed. I want you to know that. And I want to show you that way 
even as we work through these messages. And maybe, maybe you don't think you are, but you're like, well, I'm not like against it. I, I, I want to, but I'm not sure. I spent some time there myself before I was a Christian. And maybe if, if somebody came to you today and asked you, where are you? You couldn't say, well, yes, I'm definitively a Christian. Maybe you're struggling. You say, you know, I believe, and yet I don't know if it's, it's really here. I don't know if it's really in my own heart. Well, by God helping us as we work through these four components, my hope is that you will have some clarity and insight into the necessities, those things that have to be true of you in order to be a Christian, so that if you are unaware, it'll be clear, right? And you can enter with full assurance. Or maybe you'll realize, wow, I really am a Christian. I've looked into the mirror of God's word and praise God, I see he has done this. These things are true of me. So that you can have assurance. Yes, I am a believer. And that you would also go on rejoicing. So, put my cards on the table. That's what I'm trying to do. This is why we're studying these things. Let's pray that God would bless it, that these goals would be accomplished. And every single one of you, and I mean that, and I know the chaperones, the, the, the brothers and sisters at Albany Baptist Church, we, we're not satisfied if just one or two get saved or one or two are encouraged. That's good. We want all of you in the kingdom. Okay, that's, that's, there's no shame in me saying that. Every single one of you, my prayer has been, Lord, don't do little things on this weekend. Please do big things. Show us your power. Show us your strength. Take those who are weak and encourage them. Take those who are strong and, and affirm them in what they believe. And take those who don't want anything to do with this and give them a change of heart right here on this weekend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these warnings in your word that we might not be bamboozled by the lies without and the lies within. And Father, you call us to be in that, on that narrow way and pass through that narrow gate. And we pray that as we try to understand what that looks like this weekend, that you would give us wisdom from your word, that that way would be plainly seen. And that you would do those things that we've just asked. That you would turn those who are rebellious. That you would encourage those who are weak. And you would strengthen them. And that you would assure and affirm those who are strong in the truth of your word. And that every single one here would know you as their Lord and Savior. And that they would not play games with their never dying soul. Amen.